Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... That's Mark Potker. I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. Andrew will be back in 51 years. And tonight we are talking about the 2014 blockbuster film Interstellar. Interstellar was uh, directed and written by Christopher Nolan, as well as his brother, Jonathan Nolan. Fun fact, Jonathan Nolan originally wrote the script years before, and then Christopher Nolan just rubbed his dick all over it. That explains it. Um, Like the movie Step Brothers. Uh, Also, as per usual, produced by his wife, uh, Emma Thomas. Um, Starring Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, Bill Irwin, Ella Bernstein, Michael Caine, and music by Hans Zimmer. Uh, the budget was $165 million. The box office was a whopping $696.3 million. I will add a caveat that that was after a re-release in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still did like, almost like I think $670 million on its first run. So still pretty impressive haul. That's a lot of money. Anywho, that's Ben. Yeah, that is impressive, what, to say the least. What is this movie about? <clears throat> Do a uh, docking at this point. I'm not going to do that. It's the song. No, the no, song. You'll, you'll yeah, see the soundtrack. soundtrack. That's what Hans Zimmer wants you to think. I'm not Google searching that. Take that and put it on the bed. Please do During the last days of Earth. Just Ben doing that. All right, let Ben do his thing. Yeah, bend over. During the last days of Earth, a former pilot decodes coordinates from a gravitational anomaly that lead him to a secret NASA base. There, he accepts a mission to travel through a wormhole to another galaxy and leave his family behind in order to attempt to find a new habitable planet for humanity. In case you can't tell, I like this movie. I would hope so. I think this is probably the best Christopher Nolan has been since, well, Dark Knight, right? Or Dark Knight. I thought it was a pretty good film, too. I think. I think this movie eclipses the Dark Knight in every way and reveals it for the overrated trash it actually is. <laughs> Damn. God. Right. Oh. Well, we don't. I love this movie, and I don't think that Christopher Nolan ever has or ever will do anything better than this film. I think you might be right. Um, I can agree with that. I think Tenet would have is kind of that benchmark that he should have been, like gone forward, but he hasn't. So. I'm glad you bring well, that up. Okay. Oh, did you have a did you have a starting point? You can go ahead. You can. I honestly, I really didn't have a starting <laughs> point tonight. Uh, I think when it comes to time, starting points is irrelevant. Relative. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and interesting, you say that as well. I want to share with you all a line that I do believe Jonathan Nolan actually wrote, not Christopher Nolan. It's important. Because we are told time is relative. It can stretch and it can squeeze, but it can't run backwards. Very important. Um, Discuss. So I don't think he wrote that line. I'm assuming the scientific, uh, whatever you call, theoretical physicist guy that was the advisor. Kip Thorne probably told him that. But also... The one thing we can be certain of is Chris did not. (laughs) Clearly, Chris Chris, believes that time travel is true. During that meeting, there was a really loud bong. 
that happened and he missed that part. So. What do they keep saying? I don't understand. What do you mean? It's very clear. So anyway, we find out years later in his autopsy that Christopher Nolan actually had a neurological disorder. Oh, man. <laughs> we, would, we would all be so sad. I said this is the best Chris Nolan has ever done, but I also stand that this is the best uh, our boy Hans has ever done as well. I, I think it's just... He, 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 Hans Zimmer has a habit of falling back on tropes in his compositions. Yes. In a lot of stuff. Like, people like to compare Gladiator and Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. together and how it's, like, very similar. And this is, like, the most original and interesting take on a soundtrack i i would i would only go as far as to say that the the only soundtrack that comes close to this but is not better is and you're gonna laugh at me is the amazing spider-man 2 um. Hans zimmer's soundtrack for that is incredible and it's because he works with someone else which is when he's at his best so the wings of the eagle that was spider-man one starring toby Maguire. not amazing or spectacular <laughs> or ultimate or sensational watches the uh, fly away <laughs> i side note it's it's related to sci-fi so it, it, we could do this sci-fi in, our, in our theater class uh, in high school, we we all had to we had to do a live music video to a song, and uh, my group chose that song, "Hero," and we did a story about nothing. But it, basically, we included lightsabers, <laughs> and I was the bad guy, and our our friend was the good guy, and he was rescuing a girl, and we did a lightsaber choreography <laughs> 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 to. Hero by Chad Kroger. I want to add to that. We did Albuquerque by Weird Al Yankovic, and it was just literally just the song. It was great. Uh, well, that's that's fun. Ben, I, I really appreciate uh -huh. that uh, anecdote. I, th I thought it was really charming. Yeah. Thank you. Um, anyways. It makes us very grounded and human. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways. <laughs> so, I wish I would talk about the cast for a minute now, then. Since we, uh, sure. we were bouncing all over the place. I thought Matthew McConaughey was perfectly cast for this role. Uh, I think you oh, could yes. pick other people for this role and it would have done well. But I think he nailed it. Such as? Uh, I think this role could have also been done by a... Uh, Brad Pitt. Bradley Pitts could have done it. I, he did. Yeah. Yeah, Probably. See a good Brad Pitt. Bradford Pitt. Brad Pitt. In um, fact, I also think Matthew McConaughey could have done Sad Astra. Yeah. Let's just interchange him. Let's just now envision these movies. Matthew McConaughey is gone and is now played by Bradley Pitts. They were just recently <laughs> on screen together, actually, believe it or not. Wait, for what? They did a table read of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Brad, Brad Pitt was Brad, uh, Judge Reinhold's character. Okay. And uh, Matthew McConaughey was Damone. Judge Reinhold's other character. I don't remember who plays Damone, to tell you the truth. It's been a while, but yeah. Isn't um, it Nathan it's Lane? Good. It's good to watch. Highly recommend. Was that, was that Pumbaa? Hmm? Nathan Lane. Oh. He plays Damone, right? Uh. <laughs> yeah. All I've done for this fucking entire episode so far is make awful jokes. Who has? I love it. I haven't done anything constructive. It's a niche. Um, I also really love Anne Hathaway in this. Mm -hmm. I think uh, once again, like, like I think this is kind of like the apex of a lot of people. Like, I think this is Anne Hathaway's best performance. Matt McConaughey's best performance. Uh, uh, he was pretty, pretty darn good in uh, Traffic Thunder. <laughs> he was good in True Detective. Bad. That's true. I actually haven't seen True Detective. I gotta watch oh that Oh my god. Yeah, I hear good it. things. Yeah. He's also, didn't he win, like, an Academy Award for uh, Dallas Buyers Club? He did. Yeah. Yeah. He did. It, so but, I mean, like, you know. This is a sci-fi. You, you could just say you could just say this is your favorite Matthew McConaughey performance, and it holds just as much water. No, but every all my opinions are facts. So 
Ah, my gosh. Yeah, it's fact. okay. It happens. You know what else is a fact? Hmm. I wish I saw Casey Affleck in more roles. Ooh, he got canceled. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh-oh. He, he, like, uh, I don't know, he harassed some, some woman or something, so he's not in anything anymore. Oh, that sucks. What do you mean canceled? What does canceled mean? It, like, like everyone was like, culture. we're done with you. How do you mean? Like, socially canceled. Have you never heard the term before, or are you, like, doing a bit? No, no. No to which like one? Just, Are you philosophical? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> just don't you just talk to. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, Mark, so when you don't. when you asked if he was flossing, I thought you meant the Fortnite dance. Uh, so, <laughs> like, he's definitely fucking with us if he's doing the Fortnite dance. Well, I guess we're just gonna have to explain real quick <laughs> what it means. So, to cancel someone is to effectively guy. kill their career. For something that they've okay. done that is uh, deemed uh, socially unacceptable, usually or, or just criminal. Criminal, or cr often criminal, but sometimes it's not criminal, but still just mm. like downright inappropriate. Um, and they just, yeah, they don't have a career. Sometimes anymore. it's not even confirmed. Like yes. Richard Nixon. Sometimes, yes. but Casey, the, da as I the recall, danger of cancer, can cancer, cancel culture is that sometimes people are canceled and it is unfounded. <laughs> i.e. James Gunn. Yes. Mm. But I believe Casey yeah. Casey had some some pretty damning evidence against him. However, if you do want to see a good Casey Affleck movie, Mark, uh, Manchester by the Sea is a movie that will make you hate everything. Manchester by the oh, fucking yeah. sea. And if you want to listen to a good band with Casey Crescenzo, listen to Manchester Orchestra. <laughs> How about that? That's a great connection. Oh wait, 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 wait. Okay, no, I think I think I understand. I think I understand. It's like how everybody tried canceling Brett Kavanaugh, but then he became a Supreme Court justice. No, he was he so. was the opposite of canceled. He was he was he, he, he was, was confirmed. hired for a series regular. He was verified <laughs> and, confirmed. Uh, I believe they said he was confirmed instead of canceled. Yeah, that's what I said. And can you guys not hear me? Am I too quiet? Allegations. You're a little quiet. I'll turn it up. How's Got this? It. That's good. Now everybody, now everybody Turn it loves up to him. eleven. Cool. Sure. So, <laughs> enough about sad shit. Let's talk about Interstellar. <laughs> A sad movie with sad people who are old. They right, are. End old. of the bit. End of the bit where Bill pretends to not know what cancel culture is. Oh so here's gosh. a question: Is Matthew McConaughey old, or did everyone else get old? Time is oh. relative. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I would like to think that uh, Murph's, the character Murph, actually did get old. I think we do see her in several stages of her life. But if we're talking about uh, actors and actresses, I think they're all aging typically. Except for um, Michael Caine. I don't think he's aged in the last 20 years. They, they, had to, they had to give him makeup to look younger in his earlier scenes so that when they took it off, he would look normal in his later scenes. I always thought that was funny that it was like um, 20 years past Michael Caine is still alive and he needs to look older, but he's already a pretty old dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they had to do the opposite of what they always do. Right, and instead of aging him up, they age him down early on, they give him some blonde hair. That's pretty funny. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. That's yeah. cockroaches and Michael Caine will be left. <laughs> Michael Caine. Actually, he did look rather uh, Ma aged in uh, Tenant. So mm -hmm. we'll say that. Plus, he's doing the same where he talks like this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like so, a credit card? He talks like an old British man. Would you like a credit, credit, credit card? card and look dapper. <laughs> 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 you got fucking Michael Caine is a fucking global treasure, okay? And we do not deserve him. And you do not speak ill of Mr. Caine, a uh, Sir Michael Caine. And if, yeah, okay? I was about to say, if you're gonna call him Michael Caine, you better put Sir. Uh, have have any of you guys seen yeah, the original? You, better, you bet your goddamn Have you seen ass the original Italian job? I have not. Bill. I told I you to blow the fucking well, it's, it's, doors I don't watch those no, kind of videos anymore. Sure you see, like a real Michael Caine fan watches that movie. So I'm just saying. I'm not a real one. <laughs> but have you seen Austin Powers' Goldmember? Because yes. a real Michael yes. Caine watched that movie. It. 
Did you say a real Michael Caine has watched yeah, it? <laughs> I have not seen uh, Goldmember. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so what, so anyway, you know what movie I love? Interstellar. It's a good movie. Okay. This movie makes me sad. Yep. But and existential. Think, and existential. And there's a lot of reasons for it. But I always I was like, if this movie makes me sad, this movie has to make Bill really sad. Does it make you really sad, Flossy Boy? So one second, sorry. Uh, fun <laughs> fact, Bill is always sad. I mean, I am always <laughs> sad too, secret. but we <laughs> sad is normative, and so we we measure our sadness based on extra sad. I I like to base my happiness only on external factors and other people. So when I um so when I watch this film, I uh I get sad. You know, honestly, I did tear up. I mean, I think I think any normal person would, but I did tear up at that scene where, you know, he's watching all of the videos that have been stored over yeah, 20 fuck, years. Yeah. Which is just like which is just like I feel like that's when you have like 50 different voicemails and you're just like seven, 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 and you just delete them all. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I uh, yeah, no, I teared up at that part. I mean, that part is is pretty significant. And um, and I feel like it's it's hard to because, you know, we, we oftentimes oftentimes put parents on a pedestal in a lot of ways just because it's such a significant part of what happens to a person when they you know, become a parent or whatever. And so it's like, it's, it's hard for me to imagine making that sacrifice. So it did mean a lot to me when I was watching that. And also, oh my God, the part that really, really like twisted the dagger in me was the fact that his grandson was born and yeah. died in the time that he, you know, was granddaughter was, uh, on. It was, it was, it was his oh, granddaughter, sorry. I believe. Yeah. First. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Granddaughter. Yeah. Um, and it's just like that, that really twisted the knife for me and it, it made me feel things. And like you said, uh, Jonathan, John Nolan, Jonathan, yeah. Jonathan yep. sorry, Jonathan Nolan, Jonathan, the fact that Jonathan Nolan wrote this script is really obvious from from moments like that. You know, I, uh, I, I, I love the scene, especially, and it's reminded me of conversations you and I have had, Bill. So, like, especially like later on in our in our lives, because um, I haven't I haven't seen this movie in years, and I was happy to watch it again. Mm -hmm. um, and the scene when he is leaving, and he has to explain to Murph that uh, his wife once said that when a child is born, we're just uh, ghosts for our children to remember. And then he says, but I can't be a ghost right now. I need to exist. And I think that's, you know, it's not um, like it's something that all parents kind of need to remember, in my opinion, as a non-parent, I should say, is that you do still exist and you do you can still contribute to the world. And, yeah. you know, in this case, it's a bit of an extreme situation, of course. But it's I think the point of that scene is that, you know, you still have so much to contribute to the world yourself. You, you, you maybe shouldn't be a ghost. I don't think that's kind of praising the concept of it. I think it's saying that it's looking at it in the wrong light. Of course, things go drastically wrong from there, but <laughs> well, it's like, it's like one of those things. It's something it's honestly, I think this will, if anybody out there has kids and I think this is, I think this is like one of those secret things that's that like triggers us when we hear it is that um, you a lot of things that parents do are for themselves are very selfish in a lot of ways because you want your kids to love you in a way and remember you in a way that is uh, satisfying for you, you know, is satisfying for the parent. But in a lot of ways, you have to remember that this is for your child, you know, so what you're doing is for your child. And so like things like having another kid, you know, like Emily and I talked about having a third child, but I was just like, would that be good for anybody really? And I was just like, what would that be good for? That would be good to make us feel better, you know? So in a lot of ways, sacrificing, sacrificing even your child's perception of you 
maybe your child hates you now, but you had to do something to help their well-being. Just because something feels good doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. You know, so it's like in a lot of ways, like, you know, him taking off on it. I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine because that's extremely dangerous, very risky, and he's probably never going to come back. But he did it anyway. And, you know, Murph hated him and he expected her to hate him for the rest of his life. But he knew he had to do it to save her. So, you know, it's like she doesn't maybe she doesn't love me or maybe she doesn't care about me anymore. But I did something that I needed to do for her. And I sacrifice myself to make it good, even though it damages her memory of me. So she, you know, parents, I think the world over, especially and I don't mean to say this. I, I really don't. But I'm going to say it, especially kind of like fathers. I feel like fathers, you have to put aside your ego and your memory and the memory that your child holds of you. Maybe they'll think you're a shitty person, but you do it so that they can be better off. So I feel like that was like one of those intense things, one of those intense motifs that I really read from this movie that I feel like is kind of from a unique perspective in that way. Like you have to have this unique perspective to really for that to click for you. you know? Yeah, I get you. Read, Bill. Yeah, that actually uh, somewhat mirrors what I was taking from that quote about once the you know the uh, once your child is born you become a ghost. In, in what you were saying, Bill, <clears throat> about that being a, kind of a, a legacy, in a way, speaking to what you do throughout your child's life is the way that they remember you and what you leave behind when you go. And I was kind of taking that quote that way as well. Like, he can't be a ghost right now. He can't be there to make a lasting memory and impression with her, but... But he, he has will make, to go. but he will make a lasting impact on her life. Exactly, yeah. I really I really like that that quote. That scene is is rough to watch, but that quote is I don't know. It's really interesting. Absolutely. So let's talk about docking. One second. I, I don't know what that I told is. Let you, me let me see. I Urban told you that I don't look up those kinds of videos dictionary. anymore. <laughs> Docking. That's sorry. That's where I get all my definitions. Docking. You can uh you could throw the clip in Miller where it's like uh, I just want to hear Cooper. It's not possible. No, it's necessary. It's so fucking good i don't care who you are i don't care who you are if you are do not jump into the fucking air in that scene when he says those lines you are a fucking emotionless sack well, it's like it, it's also he says that awesome fucking line that like boom i'm going and like so he does that mm -hmm. and then at the same time he does this beautiful beautifully shot scene of like the rotation matching up which has just got me going i'm just like oh my god that's so cool and then it's like boom mm -hmm. right in there and it's an awesome scene very very awesome scene even even still knowing the outcome mm -hmm. of the scene i find myself biting the biting my nails like in just complete suspense as he's he like the the stakes are just so high and the he 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 tells case if if i pass out take the take the stick he should pass out he's spinning at 68 rpm in in a little fucking titanium or aluminum fucking can and he he manages to stay conscious to do this the entire fucking time. And by the way, special shout out to Case and Tars, who are the coolest movie robots in the history of film. Period. We finally got some uh, sarcastic robots that you like, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I called them out on it. No, there's a difference between well-developed characters and quippy robots, especially in the case of Tars, who is a very well-developed character who has no business being as well-developed as he is. And his development in the film is his development arc specifically, and this is brilliant how they do it because he is not artificially intelligent, he is not sentient, 
He is a specifically programmed uh, system, but they still managed to give him a development arc in the way he looks at Coop. That's what it is. He goes from not respecting Coop because of because he doesn't know him, because Cooper doesn't respect him early on, to literally dying for this man. And I think that is, and while that, yes, it is his programming, the fact, the first of all, the move to give them 100% human voices and not anything tinny or, or like, robot like, that is a good move. It humanizes them. And uh, number two... There, I think it, it it breaks down a lot in their design, their simple block like design. I don't. There's something there that's very charming about it, and it's it, it, they don't come off as hostile, but they visually come off as protective to me. I don't know about the rest of you guys, and this might just be my preconceived notions of the characters, knowing what I know about the movie. But I've always felt like I never once was like the robots are going to betray them, even the first time I saw this movie. I don't know about you, Miller. This is your first time, right? Yeah, it actually uh, it actually was my first time watching it. Um, I mean, just kind of, you know, to, to to go on what you were saying, the robot design was super novel to me like that. Just almost like, you know, 2001 monolithy yeah. and that they weren't just they were never just that they were never just like walking blocks. They were that a lot, but there was that scene on the water planet um, where Coop's telling him to like, go, go get her. And it just like turns into this cool, like rotating thing of blocks. And I was like, that's awesome. That's <laughs> really cool. I didn't expect it to do that. And then, you know, they're, they're helping out and they, you know, they, they show that they're more than just walking blocks. Uh, so that was that was actually really that was actually really cool to me. Um, and A and plus they, computer design. They mention they mention early on that they are um, Marines, mm-hmm. the, the robots specifically. That's from a point when um, countries stopped sending humans to fight wars and everything became automated. And now they are decommissioned because there are no wars because the world has gone to fucking hell and no one cares about that shit anymore. And so I think the it, it, it like the idea that someone I don't know if these are based on any actual like prototypes, anyone, anything that actually has been tried or or theorized. I'm not sure. I know that there were many different science people on as consultants throughout this. But the idea of military robots not being humanoid, but just being functional, efficient, and I imagine cheap. Like, what, what do you got to do? You got to build a shell for them, and then all of the all of the money goes into the internals at that point. You don't need to worry about building an arm joint or uh, an elbow joint or fingers. Like, it's just like they they have a specific function, and there are many different ways they can they can operate based on just like four articulation points really at the end of the day. I think that's I think it's a brilliant read on like actual practical robotics of the future. Mm-hmm. They kind of the design reminded me a little bit if you um have you ever heard of the uh Strand Beasts by Theo Jensen? He's an artist. Um I'm not. But it's just these big they it looks like they're made out of wood, but they have sails on them and they just oh, I walk do know on these. the beach. Yeah. They just walk all over the beach. And so like, especially when it turned, especially when he like, you know, we're on the water planet, I was like, Oh wow, that's really cool. And that's kind of what that reminded me of. I mean, it's a little bit of a little bit of a segue and I don't think there's any, I don't know if there's any, I don't, I don't think there's any mutual inspiration. Obviously there's no inspiration. Uh, of this movie on his work. And then I don't think it informed, but it kind of, it's got that same kind of feel where they walk around with like, you know, like you said, you know, three or four articulation points. Mm-hmm. These are, uh, they're like perpetual motion, right? Like, um, they require, get, at least. yeah, they require <laughs> wind, mm-hmm. um, in order to move, but I think they can move pretty freely with minimal wind as well. So, I mean, That's you're awesome. not, you're, you're probably not going to get, much closer to perpetual motion in in this lifetime 
yeah, these are these are just fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I love these things. Like, seriously, go look them up if you've never heard of them. Yes, that is Strand Beast by Theo Jansen. So, would you have, um, if we were coworkers, and you had to be in orbit while I was on a planet for twenty years, would you ditch <laughs> me? <laughs> I mean. If this was the job, no, because I would understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if it was an office job at an accounting firm, yes, I would ditch you. Oh, okay, yeah, no, he could have gone. He could have gone. He, there was another lander there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he could he could have gotten out of there. Well, he he also mentions that he 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 slept a lot. Um, I I and kind of lost hope at a certain point. He literally learned everything he could about a black hole from that distance mm-hmm. with the equipment on board, which I imagine was a lot of his time. I, I like it's not just like he spent a year doing that and is like, all right, well, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like that probably took a few years. Yeah, at least mm-hmm. um, tried to send it repeatedly. I am sure definitely dug through all their messages. I would. Yeah. yeah. So like. <laughs> He had he had plenty of time. He had plenty of things to do, but clearly was was very upset with how things had gone. Well, Case was on board with him, right? So yeah, and he had a buddy. He probably got intimately familiar with Case at that point. So, oh, well, thanks, Bill. Ooh. <laughs> how do you think? How <laughs> many articulation <laughs> points did there he say? Twenty or twenty three years to find them all. Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> it's like the highlight fuck box. That's all. That's all. Oh, oh boy, cases discretion. That's a phrase that I had never heard, and cases never discretion. Hear cases discretion is at a hundred percent. You mean his indiscretion? Ooh. No, wait. I did, okay. I didn't actually fully listen to High Life. Did you guys talk about that? Yeah, we talked about the fuck yeah, box. Yeah, we did. Okay. Mark, I don't think Mark was here for the fuck box. Yeah, I was going to say, you weren't here for the fuck box, Mark. No. You missed out yeah. on the fuck It's box. my favorite 90s band, fuck, fuck box 20. Damn it. I was going to try to say Fat Thomas, but that didn't work. <laughs> Fat Thomas. Yeah. Fat Thomas. <laughs> God oh. damn it. Um. Oh my God. <laughs> just, I'm sorry. I'm just. I, I don't mean to make fun of this, recover. but I just feel like the guy would just be like, you. The guy would just be like, you probably don't want to touch any surfaces <laughs> oh in this place. <laughs> it's been twenty years. <laughs> don't activate black light protocol. I I have masturbated everywhere. <laughs> Just everywhere. <laughs> no, he could have, you know, the entire time. Okay, I have one question, though. He could have observed them in slow motion, like extreme slow motion could the entire time they were down there, right? Probably didn't have any sort of, like, high-powered cameras on board. You know, it's the future, though. But also, but, that's... But um, a future, a future, a sorry, point. a future where they stopped investing in technology. You have to remember. Yeah. Well, actually... Wait. Sorry. I was just going to say, I just realized that was that whole scene was an allegory for stop animation movies. It takes you seven years <laughs> to make one hour of stop animation movies. That is right? it's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's literally, that's Stand literally that's in why the they place don't make where them. you live. <laughs> I, um, but also, also another point would be at relativistic speeds or relativistic uh, gravitational forces or whatever. Um, I feel like, and I'm not sure about this. I'm not 100%. I don't think that you could actually accurately observe someone because everything would be so stretched out and distorted in terms of light because light compensates light light so light this since the speed of light changes well no the since the speed of light stays constant and uh space and time uh compensate for it to make things happen sometimes what happens is if something goes the speed of light basically light will stretch out like infinitely stretch out so that you become spaghetti so that you become like a so it'd be spaghetti like one big lens flare. um 
exactly i think that's why i think that's why they couldn't catch the um i think that's why they couldn't catch the um the tidal waves that makes sense or actually observe observe and like sort of dissect what the tidal waves were you know yeah um interesting that is interesting and i want to i'm glad you brought that up because it's a good segue into something else that i wanted to talk about which was the the black hole gargantua um and so cool Hmm. It's just so oh, okay. cool that the way they they did that is just it so is. cool. Yeah, and uh, from my, my understanding of my research is uh, fairly uh, scientifically accurate, right? As far as relativity goes, and a planet, as far as we At- know, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Actually, the way because they had the big budget film budget for this, they actually funded the scientific research search just to render what a what a black hole might look like with those sort of specifications and then like when the physicist came uh you know came by to consult he was like yeah that's what it would look like isn't it that was definitely what it would look like they they the rendering was so intense because everybody always just thinks like oh there's a ring of stuff around this thing they don't think about the actual light that a human being would see while observing it cuz it's not really relevant but you know like if you were in that place this is what it would look like because the light bends from the back to the front so it's like it's it's this cool little idea that i didn't really think about the fact that because a light bends around the black hole you would see the back of the black hole in the front so huh. i, I uh, it's just so, so here's cool. a question for our resident <laughs> like theoretical science uh class member which is you bill you, you quit looking for spaghettios. Oh, okay. Um, and maybe yeah, you know, yeah. maybe you don't. Here's a question that's always kind of plagued me, and maybe we could talk about it. Maybe we can't. Is uh, the it seems that the only star in this system ha- is being absorbed by Gargantua. Uh, mm-hmm. so, but but they're all they're all like like you know clearly it's still it's still giving off life. It's still light. It's still giving off heat. Um, is is that gonna last at this point, or are we talking like you know this is like a hundred million years problem later? Right, right. It's like it's like Andromeda colliding. We're currently in a in a horrible collision with Andromeda, by the way. But it's a billion years long, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. That's the sort of thing that you, like when you're talking about when you're talking about even like. Yeah, if you're talking about like here on Earth, like 60 million years is nothing to the Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about a black hole and a sun, like a billion years is almost nothing. So it it's would like, take forever you know, for, for any forever. significant change to that system to happen. For us, yeah, for us to realize it, yeah, it would take forever. I mean, in, in terms of a photon traveling around the black hole, it'd probably be relatively instant, but... sure. But but it gives off enough light and enough heat for a long enough time that they could figure something else out later. So you talk oh, you're talking about survival in that yeah, system. Yeah, 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 definitely. That would definitely be like a okay, we'll figure that out in two thousand years. Got it. And and they do, yeah. clearly. They become human humanity becomes fifth dimensional at a certain point in our evolutionary scale. <laughs> Wild. Wild. Which is uh something. I have a hard enough time keeping track of the first two dimensions. They're tough. But thankfully, we get a wonderful illustration on the two dimensions and wormholes at some point, which I always loved and has helped me understand wormholes to a greater, greater degree in this movie. Oh, yeah. No, but um, the it's so cool. It's so cool the way they visualize everything. It's so cool because it's like black hole as a sphere and doing the event horizon thing with the sheet of paper. Um, but like the uh, wormhole with the sheet of paper. Yeah. yeah, yeah the event yeah, horizon yeah. thing. Uh, a red horizon. Yeah. The it's a event horizon movie. Specifically oh, that's right. They do do it so this is a, and, this is a that, prequel to event horizon. Well. I feel, I feel like that's like the fourth time I've seen that in the movie. Yeah, it's been I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm um, pretty sure they didn't kill Bill yeah. for fuck's sake. That's a lie. Well, they didn't kill Bill. It's it's a really it's a really great way of visualizing it mm-hmm. though unfortunately so but um yeah no the fact that it's like a spherical hole in space and then you're trying to like I'm trying to figure out this puzzle of the thing 
okay, yeah, the sphere, and then like trying to figure out the way that it flies into the sphere, and then the fact that like the light and the fabric of space stretches in a way that makes it look like it's traveling billions upon billions and quadrillions of miles in a you know and split second and it's just i don't know it's just so cool it was just so cool you you know what i what i was wondering about in that moment though that as they pass into the black hole i mean obviously there's the ship is constantly making new contact with the black hole the fact that it all i mean i suppose it would all be taking the same journey in theory, you mean so the wormhole? it would be coming through at the same. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. Just that. Just add that as it enters, it doesn't separate or get taken apart in some weird. Oh yeah. Spatial so way. so the reason that okay the reason why it's different than a black hole and a wormhole is that it's kind of well it's magic right it's not like I don't know there's like no maybe Einstein theoretically Rosenbridge. somebody has some version of it. What? There's no Einstein Rosen bridge, right? I don't know, oh. but um, but uh, am I the only one so who understands like, theoretical physics? Show a hand. Yeah, yeah, come on. on. Yeah, do it. Do it. My do camera's it. not right, on, going. but it would. Uh, my do hand it. would be down. But my <laughs> assumption, my assumption is that, like, in order to accommodate what you're talking about, is that it creates sort of like a bubble of normal space within that space, while it's. I don't think there's. I think there's. A singularity somewhere that makes this possible but like yeah in terms like they said at the beginning of the movie they were just like well you know wormholes don't happen naturally someone has to put it there so it's manufactured it's not like a singularity it's a distortion in space so like the the wor- so like um the black hole is a singularity that pulls in everything around it because of intense gravity but the um but the um, the wormhole itself is just a distortion in space rather than a singularity, which I mean, maybe the thing the, the thing they rely on is the fifth dimension doing some weird thingy that distorts space. The fifth dimension does a weird thing and it distorts distorts space, which is classic Nolan. But like the, the, the key standout in this in this movie is that we are given rules and at no point are the rules broken for the sake of plot. In thank fact, you, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. In fact, <laughs> like the rules have dire consequences for the actions of the characters. Like rewatching mm-hmm. this and Matthew and 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 uh, not Matthew McConaughey, but Brand and Hathaway's character Brand actually suggests going to Edmonds first, and Coop is so dead set on going to Man's because because Man was a brilliant doctor, so obviously he he knows what's up um it's the consequences for that decision right there are so fucking drastic that it hurts it hurts like awfully but i I appreciated that is all i'm saying i appreciate that for for once in a nolan film rules aren't broken well it's like it's like the rules aren't broken to accommodate characters you know like i feel like you know it's like I don't want to hurt this character or this needs to be a deus ex machina. This is a very clear cut. Like, this is how this works. These are the rules. You know, this is what we have to do. And there are traumatic elements and traumatic elements about it. You know? Yeah. This movie follows. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say it inflicts real trauma on characters. You know, it follows the classic writer's rule of kill your darlings. Like, I I feel like part of what, Christopher Nolan's weakness in writing is and I know I know for a fact that this is <clears throat> this is the clear mark of Jonathan Nolan over Christopher Nolan because I've seen Jonathan Nolan's work and I know his faults and his strengths and one of his strengths is he will kill his darlings and he will make his characters pay for the decisions they make he does in Westworld every season uh whereas um Christopher Nolan will do anything to protect his characters and to the point of compromising the integrity of his film, all in the sake of audience pleasure. I know for a fact that a lot of people who walked out of Interstellar will acknowledge that it's good, but won't like how it ends. It's it's not a happy ending. 
Like everyone yeah. ends up separated. Cooper misses out on the entire life of his daughter and sees a point of her life that he probably never should, which is his daughter dying in bed. Um, as an old woman, you know, you shouldn't never have to see that. But all of this happens. All of these characters pay this awful price for a reason, and that reason is to save humanity. And it's it's funny because, and I'm just now pulling the strings together, Man talks about on his planet how the one evolutionary barrier that humans could never overcome is sacrifice in the name of the greater good. Uh, and every single character who ends up, even the characters who die, all sacrifice in the name of the greater good. And even Coop himself, who was doing anything to the point of even trying to shortcut their mission to a planet that screwed them, ended up making a sacrifice in the end for the betterment of humanity, no matter how much it hurt. And I think, you know, if that's not if that's not what sci-fi is all about, then fuck it, cancel the cast. Oh man, cast got canceled. <laughs> is that right, not what sci-fi is all about? Fuck, oh, I fucked it up. Break it down, break it down, guys. We're done here. Both you boys have made very good points. Sorry, it's been the been the Bill and Ben show. Sorry, guys. Oh, that's that's sometimes no, that full, happens. I'm, no, no, I'm full fine. of them. <laughs> I'm full of them. Good points. I'm full of them. But this was Miller's first time. Yeah. How was your first time, Miller? You know, it was uh, it was magical. You know, I saw fireworks. I uh, you know, um. <laughs> He kicked mm-hmm. his leg up in this the air behind sand, him. You know, you know, jump by Van Halen. It was great. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> it was really good. Um, I uh, somehow I don't I don't even know how, but for as long as this movie's been out, I've managed to avoid spoilers for it. I've I had no idea what happened, and it could be that it's a near three hour movie. It could be that it's just too complex to spoil easily. You know. You can you can say like, oh, yeah, everybody got killed at the Red Wedding. And, you know, it's like, oh, shit, that's a big spoiler. Um, but you can't be like, well, let me tell you the ending of Interstellar because it's a 45 minute explanation. <laughs> OK, so after so after the whole movie happens, he goes to the fifth dimension and gives all gives his daughter all the the hints and strats back in her in in her childhood it's like i'm sorry fucking what there's a pretty straightforward like space sci-fi movie with robots and you know wormhole travel until the last yeah 20 Mm -hmm. 20 40 minutes which i was on board for you know i mean with nolan i think you you gotta watch out for that kind of you know armchair science where you can just sort of throw words around like chronological and uh you know temporal and stuff like that but um algorithm yeah exactly algorithm Mm -hmm. um but i think he did a pretty good job and i mean it could just be his brother reining him in you know um but i i think they did a really good job uh on on this one you know it was i mean is it plausible or believable i don't know that's not what sci-fi is for you know well my Mm-hmm. My I'm, my favorite uh, take on this movie was Neil deGrasse Tyson's, which, you know, you could say what you want about him. I know people have their problems with him, but uh, he's pop science, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. someone someone talked to him in a, in a YouTube video, and they're like, what do you think about Interstellar and, and the ending? Because, you know, you've done a lot of research into black holes and stuff. What do you think? And he's like, it's possible. It's entire, like, they're like, he's like, you know, I, it's tough for me to measure the scientific accuracy of what's inside a black hole because we don't know. He's like, so, yeah, no, whatever. Sure, there is an entire fifth dimensional space inside of a black hole. Why not? We'll never yeah, no, know. It, it could be an ice cream social in there. We just don't know. Like, it <laughs> God, just, it doesn't matter. Like, Right. You could, you can, you can say, and I think that's his point is that you could say whatever the fuck you want about black holes to fit your narrative because they are a mystery to all of us. So you could come up with, with a pretty out there explanation for what, what the singularity inside of a black hole is. And it could probably fit within the bounds of science. And I think that was his point. 
Yeah. And it works. And I think that's that's one of the other reasons this movie works is because this isn't something, you know, he ends up crossing into an area that is just completely, almost completely unknown. Um, so he's kind of allowed, he's allowed his creative liberties and he's allowed to kind of fuck with it. Whereas, like, you know, we have a basic theoretical understanding of how time flows and we understand that reversing well, going in reverse time is a silly concept and makes no sense within the bounds of theoretical physics. So it flows one way. Can't go back. You can stretch. You can squeeze. Do you think Model? if um and then Chris if, comes uh, in? <laughs> uh, do you think if uh, Chris had sole control over this, he would have made Matthew McConaughey like push through the pile of books in the fifth dimension to get back in time and get a basically get a save the day in person instead of having to do it through his daughter 40 years later. I think he might have, but he might have choked because he can't breathe past air. Oh, shit. That. He doesn't, have, right. he doesn't have past out. He doesn't he have invert oxygen. In the Nolan verse, yeah. He didn't mm-hmm. go through the inversion, lazy Susan, okay? Right. Rookie mistake. He's got a time back yeah. door. <laughs> I mean, they it's were gonna, everywhere. Yeah, time has a back door, but you have to walk backwards. You have to walk it. through it. <laughs> yeah. God, I love it. And yeah, everybody Incredible. was just like Anne Hathaway is just like it can stretch, it can press, you know. But time can Julian only flow fries. one way. And then Chris is just like, I have an idea for this. Scene. Right, but what if it could flow both ways? <laughs> but what if it could have reverse points? I don't understand, Chris. It can't. I mean, if it could, I I suppose you would have a host of paradoxes that wouldn't make any sort of sense. Why? I don't know. What if what if there were people going backwards while you're going forwards, and time is different in different places for different objects in the same place, and then you have a battle where there's blood, and it's like, everything's in reverse, but in forwards. All I'm saying is, what if we fire the bullet in reverse, but it has the same effect? The the bullet goes back in the gun. But it's like way more deadly. (laughs) (laughs) If you get shot with like a pass bullet, then uh-huh. you're gonna die in the future. It's trippy, right? right. It's but weird. How, but how did the bullet get there? It don't matter. You know, it's just you shot it in the future. And now it's in the past. What do we call <laughs> a real life plot hole? Uh, <laughs> fucking. I don't know. Um, I like that everyone was doing <laughs> different the, English does anyone, does anyone know what Chris Nolan even sounds no, like? No, I don't even not, know. Not at all. He probably has an American no, accent. I if I had to Apparently, guess, I would imagine he sounds a bit like this, but uh, I could be wrong. Hold on. He probably sounds a bit like this. So, all right, let's get, Nolan, let's get... At this point, could you if just I've, like... If I've learned anything... Yeah, then like it's going to be completely different yeah. about anything. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm just going to... I'm going to get Luke on the phone. Just hang on. Hi, Luke Besson. Um, quick question. You've met Chris Nolan, right? Could you please do an impression of Chris Nolan? Oh, I'm Chris Nolan. <laughs> I'm so smart. Have you heard me talk about the, the algorithm lately? <laughs> Don't you like my film, Ben? Don't you like my film? I like when my actresses look like they smell like feet. <laughs> no, Papa. I do not want to work in the backyard factory. In the feet, feet ladies. Please, I do not like when the eyebrows match the hair. All right, all right, Luke. Thank you, Luke. Thank you uh, so much. Can't wait to cover I'm Lucy going next to month. Stay Bye. Here for a couple of hours. Is it oh, okay? no, 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 we're wife, good. Bye. Good. Bye. Bye, Luke. Bye. 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 I'm hanging up now. I'm just going to hang up. I'm just going to hang up. I was gonna ask him to do his Matthew McConaughey next. All right, all right, all right. Jesus Christ. So essentially, uh, essentially, what it what it all boils down to is, uh, Mark, was this good sci-fi or bad sci-fi? 
<laughs> uh, it's outstanding sci-fi. As Ben had pointed out earlier, it's probably the best thing that Chris Nolan has done and will do. Uh, but it was... I mean, it's going to stand the test of time, I think, as far as modern sci-fi goes. All right. Sounds good to me. All right, Ben. Yeah, um, as our boy Jason would say, magnanimous sci-fi. Uh, it's in my top five. It has been since I've watched it. Uh, of top five sci-fi films. I think there's enough science in here to please any sci-fi fan. Enough, like, theories. Enough... Uh, you know, and most importantly, like we said, it sets rules and follows them, which is an important key in sci-fi. But most importantly, it attracts an element that not all sci-fi does, which is the visceral aspect, the human human emotional aspect of it all. And it does so in a meaningful and cohesive way. Never once am I confused through it. I I find that the writing and the dialogue is incredibly clear and the plot is incredibly clear and at the same time it still manages to to be mysterious and it still manages to surprise me on later viewings i think this is something i I would always want to watch again and again and introduce new people to and i can't wait to watch it again next time all right thank you this is all you get chris (laughs) thank you ben uh bill Um, I'd say I, I kind of, it kind of shows, and this is tenant as well, um, is that Christopher Nolan is obsessed with time. He is obsessed with how time works with the manipulation of time in things like, uh, even memento. If anybody, uh, saw that movie in memento, the whole movie is played in backwards basically. And so he's been obsessed with this for a long time. Even the manipulation of time and like inception Mm -hmm. is a huge factor in the movie. So basically he's the time director, which is kind of cool, but this movie. So given all of that, they all kind felt, felt kind of gimmicky. This where this is in a way or, or another, just even if it's slight, but in this one, it really felt like the time, the way they use time and the way they use motion in a way that like in film uh, contributed to the story, you know, like in, like if you're shooting a film, you use the element of time, things happening in a certain order or, you know, the, I mean, that's what film is, is pictures in a certain time order. And, using that in order to create a story. I mean, this is fantastic sci-fi. It's made me think a lot. It's got a lot of the science aspect, but also it's a great film at the same time, which makes me feel things, you know? So that's, that's what I think. I think it's magnanimous sci-fi. All right. Thank you for being brief, Bill. Andrew, what do you got? The sass. That was sassy. Um, yeah, Dude, I'm wow, to wow, be wow. He's I working on like, that teacher's Oh my god, he killed him. <laughs> He's Bill's dead now. Um I uh for this being my first viewing, I I really did like it a lot. Um my my uh you know, I'll, I'll give it a great sci-fi pretty easily. Um I don't know if I'm going to be in the mood to watch this movie again anytime soon. It was nearly kind of 3 hours, but uh it was really good. Um I, I kind of knew it was going to get a little bit mind bendy at the end, uh, but I didn't really mind um, too much uh, about that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm in good. Good sci fi. <clears throat> all right. Um, it'll be brief. And I, I think you guys all basically summed up anything I would say perfectly, especially Ben. Um, this, this point on uh, just the, the, the human uh, lens for it. I really appreciated it. Uh, yeah i'm gonna say this is great sci-fi it really holds up um i actually can't wait to watch it again um so yeah there you have it folks that is our take on interstellar um i hope you enjoyed this i hope you enjoyed the return of luke (laughs) episode seven and i will say episode episode three remember seth the new home. <laughs> Episode three, oh, the Emperor yeah. stacks up. <laughs> God, all right. Anyways. Um, well, until next time.
Come on, Tars. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs>